Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon. And transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite. You are listening to Omega Man Radio Network. With Shannon Davis. everybody welcome aboard uh, we were down for about 24 hours doing an upgrade on the computer system and I'm hoping that I've got everything uh, set up right so I'm gonna remind you out there in the chat rooms give me a heads up and let me know how the audio is coming through for you well we're excited to have here for the first time here on Wednesday November 16 2022 pastor Michael Cummins and brother Michael what part of the UK are you from well, I was born and bred in London, England, and I pastor a church in Northwest Six, which is an area of London called Kilburn in Northwest London. That is fantastic. Well, we're really excited to have Brother Michael here. Him and I were chatting before the show, getting to know each other, and man, he is an amazing man of God. He's got a lot of information for us that can help you. Brother Michael, would you like to open us up in prayer and welcome aboard? Yes, certainly. Dear Lord God, we welcome everyone who's listening to this radio show today. And we pray, Lord, that the angels of the Lord, the angels from the realms of glory, will descend upon them when we speak every word. And we pray 
if any of them have any problems at all, that the Holy Spirit will deliver them today. This is about deliverance today, Lord, for you are our strong deliverer. And we pray, Lord, that everyone listening will get a breakthrough today in Jesus Christ, our Lord's name. Amen. You know, I say amen to that. Brother Michael, before you bring the teaching today, um, tell people a little bit about yourself and um, who you are. Well, I'm 71 years of age. As I said, I was born in in South London. Uh, I was born in a place called Croydon, just outside central London, about 10 miles away. And I was born into a, a, a mixed family. My father was a lapsed Irish Catholic and my mother was part Jewish and part Romany Gypsy. And when I was a small boy, I was very isolated. I had tuberculosis and pneumonia when I was a very young man. And when I went to school, I felt very out of things and I didn't think feel right at all. And one day a young boy said to me, would I like to join the Boy Scouts with him, the junior version of the Boy Scouts, the Cubs? And my mum and dad took me to town and they brought me all the stuff you needed to wear if you was a Boy Scout, and I joined the Boy Scouts, and I thought it was wonderful. And then the leader of the Scouts said to me, you know you've got to come to church on Sunday because it's church parade day. We used to take the Cross of St. George, the Union Jack, and the Fleur de Lis, which represents the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we would carry it in church. I remember going to church this particular day and I'd never been to church before I'd never been baptized as a child I didn't even know if my mother and father was married and I went into the church and it was okay for a bit and then I got fear come over me and the pastor was quite a fiery orator I remember he was a white-headed man a Welshman and I came out of church and I was scared And as I walked home, I kept turning around, looking behind me, believing I was being followed. And I went home that day and I went to the Cubs a couple of times after that, but I was scared all the time. And I started seeing things in my bedroom of a night. My bed started shaking. One night I was lifted off the bed and thrown on the floor. The door used to open on its own. And the light shade used to swing over my bed and I was terrified. I used to lay awake all night, too frightened to go to sleep in the dark. And I would jump out of bed and turn the light on and my father would come up the stairs and turn it off and tell me there was nothing to be worried about. And things got worse and worse and worse. I started hearing swear words against God, swear words against Jesus, vicious words, words I never knew. But they attacked me thousands of times a day. And when they attacked me, there was no respite at all. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it got worse and worse. And this went on for about 18 months. And I was terrified. And I started saying to myself, God is good. Jesus is love. And I used to say this a thousand times a day. And when I was in the schoolroom, the teacher used to say to me, what are you saying? Are you talking to yourself? And I used to mutter under my breath, God is good. Jesus is love. And I realized whether this was an ancestral or generational curse, what we'll talk about later, 
or things that was involved in my family from the past, I was absolutely terrified and I was certainly being attacked by the devil. I developed a disease called rickets where the calcium in my body was lacking and I had to chew huge calcium tablets to rectify the problem. And one morning I woke up, it was about 5.30 in the morning, and I remember I felt different. I stretched my hand out in the room and light covered me all over my face, all over my hands and all over my body. And I realized I'd been touched by the spirit of God. And with that, I started doing well. I excelled in sport. I played football. I played rugby. I played cricket. I boxed. And I became a physical fitness fanatic. I was interested in football and all sports and my life changed. But as I grew older, I got into bad company. I started drinking, smoking cigarettes. Uh, I started drinking when I was about 13 years of age. By the time I was 21, I was an alcoholic. I used to fornicate with many women, and I lived a very, very bad lifestyle. And the, the book of Romans tells us, be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of us, when we come to the Lord, have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the only way to do that is to focus on the word of God. And I went through life. I had a failed marriage behind me, got married very young. I had four children and things just went bad after bad after bad. I had a job as an executive for a large life insurance company, but I was never happy. And I was earning £36,000 a year in 1991, was a huge salary in those days. And I lost the job, I was made redundant, and I had to go on uh, benefits and live on unemployment benefit. Well, brought my money bound to £79 a week. I lost the home that I had on a mortgage. My wife walked out of me and went with another man, and my life was terrible. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I started going to the Anglican Church, and I loved them very dearly, all my friends there. But there was something missing, and I realised it was the Holy Spirit that was missing from my life, and I used to pray. And one day I saw a programme on an entertainment channel called Black Entertainment Channel, and it was Brother Don Stewart, famous from the Miracle Valley Miracles of the 50s under A.A. Allen. And when A.A. Allen passed away and went to be with the Lord, he took over the ministry. And he was in London in the city temple, which in the centre of London, and I went there and I had a damaged neck that I couldn't really move, proved playing sport and all these sort of things. And he went there and he asked me to come. And I remember I didn't have a suit. I was so poor at the time being unemployed that I bought a second-hand suit from uh, theatrical costumiers and I remember she, the lady kindly altered it for me and I looked like a million dollars when I went to this church and Don Stewart laid hands on me and my neck clicked back in to position and he sort of took a liking to me and he asked me to join his ministry and be an usher when he came to London and I became an usher and I kept praying that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit and I kept reading the Acts of the Apostles 1 and 2, and I kept reading it, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me. Anyway, there was a crusade in 
St. Mark's Church in Kennington in London, the large Anglican church. And I went there this afternoon to lay out the chairs and prepare it for the evening service, where there would be Don Stewart, his son Ken Stewart, other pastors from America, the Philippines, Africa, and England. And while I was there, somebody asked me to put some chairs in a certain place in the church, and I couldn't speak in English. I started speaking in tongues. I had no idea what I was saying. It just flowed and flowed and flowed and flowed. Anyway, we went on and the evening came and I was ushering, giving out song sheets, doing other sort of things, giving offering envelopes around. And I was standing there by the book counter and two African ladies kept staring at me and smiling and I thought this was quite quaint. And I said, can I help you? And they said, can we come and speak to you? I said, sure. And they came and speak to me. They said, is your name Michael? I said, yes, it is. How did you know that? They said, well, the Holy Spirit told us. And I said, I doubt that. I doubt that. I think you've made a mistake. You've probably heard my name somewhere before. They said, no. They told us to see you. I said, why? I said, I want you to pray for my friend. She's got evil inside her. And the lady took my hand and put it on her friend's stomach. And it was like a washing machine spinning. And I thought, Never felt anything like this before. She said, will you pray for her? And I said, look, I'm not a pastor. I'm only an usher. At the time, I had started Bible college, distance learning. And I said, look, do you want me to get you a pastor? They said, no, no, no. I said, look, there's African pastors here, Filipinos, Americans. You choose what you want and I'll get one for you. They said, no, we want you to pray. So I remember watching all these videos I'd seen of these old deliverance ministers in America in the 50s, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, and the likes of those. And I laid my hands on this young lady's head, and I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her now. She fell to the floor, and she vomited profusely on the floor. And I called Kent Stewart, Don Stewart's son, and I said, would you check this lady to make sure she's all right? And he said to me, whatever was there is gone. It's gone. And I didn't think too much of it. The lady said goodbye to me. One of them come from Sierra Leone. One of them come from Ghana. And they left. The next night there was a partners meeting locally in a town hall. And myself and my wife got there late because my wife went to work. And when we got there, this lady who had been delivered was standing on the stage giving testimony of what the Lord had done for her. And when she came down, I said to her, I'm a bit confused. I thought you were born again. I thought you was in the church. She said to me, no, I was a Muslim. And I'd been to the mosque and they couldn't deliver me from this spirit. She had a witchcraft spirit that had come through the ancestral bloodline from her ancestors in Africa. And she said, no, I was a Muslim. They couldn't cast it out of me. But when you called on the name of Jesus, it came out of me. And after that word got round and people started ringing me up and I've held deliverance seminars and deliverance meetings all over Great Britain. I've been to Ireland and I've been to haunted houses, haunted graveyards. I've been to everywhere the devil dwells. He's actually appeared to me on four occasions and I'm, I've had battles with Satan now for the last 25 years. God is great. God is marvelous. God is wonderful because 
Nearly five years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and I was given about four years to live. And uh, I remember the lady said to me, the oncologist, she was a wonderful lady. She said, you've got about four years, at the most seven. And I said, well, that's not much of a deal. And she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go to God. And she said, what? I said, I'm going to go to God. He's promised to heal me in his words. He's promised to set me free from all cancer. King Hezekiah had cancer. And the Lord said to him, put your house in order for you will surely die. And he turned to the wall and he cried to the Lord, reminding the Lord of how he had kept the Lord's statutes and commands. And Isaiah, the son of Amos, was walking into the middle court and he heard the word of God telling him to go back and tell Hezekiah his captain, thus saith the Lord, I have heard thy prayer, seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. And I accepted that for myself. I said to God, at the time I was 67, I said, Lord God, give me 15 years like you've given me King like you gave King Hezekiah, and I can do what you want me to do. And I won't feel cheated. I'll gladly come and meet you after the 15 years. Anyway, I went into remission. And prostate cancer is measured by something called a, a PSA level. And that went down to zero. And it's been zero. It goes up a little bit, but it comes down to zero. So I believe the Lord has healed me, for the word of God says, Thus saith the Lord, I have heard thy prayers, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. So that basics my life. I run a small church in North London. I had terrible problems when I joined that church because they wasn't spirit-filled. They didn't believe in healing and deliverance. They were a very religious church. And they tried to get rid of me a couple of times because they was fed up with me. But the Holy Spirit did the bidding and did the speaking in the church, and they eventually had to come round. You see, when you're doing God's work, and especially when you're fighting the devil, the devil will even turn the closest to you against you, members of your family, members of your church. And that's what he tried to do with me. But I'm still doing the deliverance now. I still do it. As I say, I've met the devil on four occasions. A few years ago, I was praying for a Scotsman just outside Glasgow, a place called Paisley. He was a Roman Catholic and he saw my website. And on my website is... Uh, my phone number, and he rang me for deliverance. And he said, you must understand I'm a Roman Catholic. I said, if you want deliverance, and he told me he was being attacked by demons because his stepfather, who had died, was a warlock and threatened to send all demons to torment him just after his death. And I said to him, well, you've got to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You've got to confess your sins to the Lord and repent of them. And he wouldn't do that. He said, I don't have to do that. I'm a Roman Catholic. And he told me that he thought Roman Catholicism was superior than the born-again believers, so he didn't need to do that. He got a bit angry with me, and he put the phone down. A couple of days later, he rang me, and he said, you're not going to ask me to give up Catholicism. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I said, I'm just going to ask you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Anyway, he got quite nasty again with me and he didn't do it. 
And a few days later, he rang me, said, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll accept Jesus. So I got him to say the sinner's prayer. And as we finished saying the sinner's prayer, a different voice came out of his mouth. And this voice said, Michael, I am Satan, I am Lucifer. If you stop doing this work, I'll give you anything you want, money, fame, fortune. I told him to get behind me, get behind me, Satan, I said, and this man vom vomited profusely and he was set free. Jesus is the deliverer. We must be born again. I'm not frightened of the devil, but I'm terrified of God because all the devil can do is torment me. God, after killing my body, can throw my soul in hell. So if anyone is out there listening and you're being tormented by demons and evil spirits, you can usually find the problem is some of your lifestyle choices that you've, you have chosen. And of course, any ancestral or generational curse that has come down the bloodline. And that's what I do. Even though I run a church on Sunday, we're preaching this week on the heart because Jesus has taught us that the heart, which is also the mind, is responsible for a lot of the evil that comes inside us. And we've got to be renewed. And I said before, one of the greatest scriptures in the book of Romans is be no longer conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And every morning I get up at five o'clock with my beloved wife and we take communion and we say Psalm 23, Psalm 51 and Psalm 91. And we go away from there feeling joy in our heart. Satan's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he will trick you any way that he can. And I'm going to speak about the whole armour of God today because a lot of people misunderstand what the armour of God means. I've seen people in church putting on this invisible clothing in the church, putting a helmet over their head and holding a shield in front of them. You can't wear the armour of God unless you live the armour of God. Let me go to Ephesians 6, and let me read from verse 10 onwards. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith by which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. Now, let's have a look at this. You may be working with someone 
who is always picking on you, he may be a boss and he's bullying you. You may have a neighbour who goes out of his way to be awkward with you. This may happen a lot. You may have been bullied at school. I was bullied at school by two brothers. They were awful and they made my life a misery. One afternoon, I was so frightened to go back to school that I hid in an alleyway behind a grocery shop. And it rained and I got very ill and I ended up in hospital. Caught pneumonia and an old lady found me there and took me back to my mother. And fear is a terrible thing and fear comes from the devil. For the word of God says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love and sound mind. So remember, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. When people treat you bad, naturally we want to confront the person, but we forget what's behind the person. We know very little about these people. We may be dealing with people who are heavily involved in the occult. We may be dealing with people who are blasphemous, people who have rejected Jesus Christ and won't have nothing to do with him. If you're a born-again believer, you come up against these people, they're going to make your life hell. And remember, what you're actually fighting is the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. You're fighting demons and evil spirits. And that's why you need the armour of God. You've got to be able to withstand in the evil day. And God has given us armour to stand. But if you could imagine somebody in the Middle Ages going to the Crusades in Antioch or in Jerusalem, they would wear such heavy armour it was difficult to walk in it. But they used to try and protect every part of your body. The gospel would do that for you. The gospel armour will never be impregnated. You will always have victory. But let's have a look what it says. Having therefore, stand having therefore girded your waist with the truth. If you can imagine a belt around your waist holding your trousers up and holding you together, it's got to be girded with the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody cometh to the Father except by me. You've got to have truth in your life. And if you don't have truth, you cannot wear the belt of truth. To wear the gospel armour, you've got to be living the way of Christ. And you must know that Jesus is the truth. You cannot have one foot in God's camp and one foot in the devil's camp. You've got to be totally committed to God. And Jesus is the truth. And when you have your waist girded with the truth, that protects that part of your body, your stomach, your lower regions. And whatever Satan will try to do, what happens in your lower regions? They get inflamed with lust. This is an attempt by Satan to control you, making you inflamed with lust. When I was a young man, I was always inflamed with lust. I, felt about I thought about sex all day long. And the armour of God would have prevented that because I'd be living the truth. Because the truth says no fornicator who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So you wear 
that truth around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness. And once you imagine a breastplate, it protects your heart. It protects your respiratory system, your bronchial tubes and your lungs. And the heart must be protected because Satan, when he attacks, he attacks the heart because by attacking the heart, he's attacking the mind. And he's trying to turn you off from thinking about the things of Jesus. You know, one of the things I was very grateful to see, I remember seeing a program on the television some years ago about the Shroud of Turin, the cloth that they say Jesus was buried in after his crucifixion. And I used to look at that picture and I used to see the face of that man and it never left me. I still think of it now. When you think of things like that, you won't think of lust, you won't think of perversion, you won't think of revenge, you won't think of bitterness, you won't think of unforgiveness. And the breastplate of righteousness is making you live righteous. But I say to you again, brothers and sisters, if you're not living a righteous life, you cannot put on that breastplate of righteousness. So we've got to confess our sins. We've got to be straight with God. If there's things in our life which are causing us to be at odds with the word of God, then we've got to deal with it now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. Jesus never bruised a wick. Jesus was never violent. We know that when he in the temple, in the temple, he turned over the money lenders tables and he turned them over and he said to him, you were turning the house of God into a den of thieves. But we say now, when your feet are prepared with the preparation of the gospel of, feet, of peace, you won't get angry. You're walking in the ways of Jesus. You're willing to forgive. You're willing to say sorry. You're willing to accept people, even who disagree with you and have different thought processes to you do. So that's what you do. Above all, taking the shield of faith in which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Hold that shield of faith amongst you. Faith, as we know, is what we all need if we're Christians. We have faith. We say Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. If you know the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. You know, Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. You're fighting real enemies, real adversaries, but you have the shield of faith in front of you. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ has come again. I believe in Jesus. He is my Lord and Saviour. You were going boldly into battle. The book of Joshua says, be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid, but walk in faith and victory, for the Lord your God is with you. The shield of faith makes you walk in faith and victory. The devil will not hurt you. Hallelujah. Take the helmet of salvation. 
The helmet is very important because it protects the thoughts. It protects the brain. It protects everything you do, the way you work things out when you decide what to do. Satan likes to cause confusion in the mind. You may have an intention of what you're going to do this day. I'm going to read. I'm going to read two chapters of scripture. I'm going to pray to the Lord. I'm going to take communion. And what you end up doing, you end up watching television, the reruns of last night's soccer or boxing or some other thing. I used to be like that when I was a young Christian. I used to go to church and take communion at 8 o'clock in the morning in the Anglican church because it was early and you was finished by 8.30. Then and I had the rest of the day to myself. And what I do now, I spend the day with Jesus. I spend every day with Jesus. People might think I'm boring in the world, but I'm always promoting the Lord. Hallelujah. The helmet of salvation is on your head. It is protecting you from the evil one and the confusion that he would bring upon you. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the word of God is the most powerful thing in your armor. The sword of the spirit cuts down as deep as the bone marrow. And the best way, you know, when Jesus comes back, he will face Satan in the valley of Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon. And it said Satan will be massed on one side with his two billion man army, Gog and Magog and two million people north of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers from those nations. And he will stand, believing he can defeat Jesus. And a sharp sword will come out of Jesus' mouth. You can read this in the book of Revelation. And fire will come down from heaven and destroy that army. And it will take seven months to bury the dead. And Satan will be cast in the everlasting burning lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. Hallelujah. That short sword of the spirit is so good. I've known people that have been attacked by demons and they felt their life in mortal danger. Naturally, they haven't got a sword. I know somebody who had a plastic sword, a child's sword, and they waved it in front of the demons and the demons fled. You could pick up a broomstick and you can wave that in front of the devil and he will flee. It's not the armour. It's not how it looks. It's the faith behind it. Hallelujah. So you must wear the whole armour of God if you want to take your stand against the devil. I warn people who are budding deliverance ministers that do not take on the devil if there's any sin in your heart, if there's anything that needs to be confessed before the Lord. Before you have any encounter with the devil, you must pray before the Lord. You must confess your sins. A Satan will try and catch you out. I've seen him on four occasions. He's appeared to me. Please excuse me. I'll just clear my throat. <coughs> He's appeared to me on four occasions, threatening me, saying he was going to do this, saying he was going to do that. I've had mortal combat with the demon where we've actually fought and I've wrestled with him and punched him. And he eventually he left. It's because I have the whole armor of God. I want to tell you, that if you're with God, nothing is too great for you. 
Many years ago, I was eating Sunday lunch with my wife. We lived in a part of London called Greenwich, and we were living there. We lived in a flat above a shop, a baker's shop. Very nice place to live because in the winter, all you could smell was the smell of the bread and the buns as the heat come through the floorboards, and it was a wonderful place to live. We was having lunch one Sunday, and the lady rang me up, and she was crying. And she said to me, they're going to turn off the life support machine for my husband. And I said, uh, what's the matter with your husband? And she said, he's had five strokes. And everything in his body is being run by a machine. He can't breathe on his own. His bodily waste is taken away from a machine. He's a terrible mess. Would you come and pray for him? And I said, how did you know about me? And she had heard that I had been to a, a meeting and prayed for a lady with a broken wrist and the wrist clicked back together and she was able to go to the hospital and have the plaster cast taken off and there was no damage. So I said, I'll go. And when I went there, it was in Guy's Hospital, which is southeast London, just by London Bridge. And I went up to the top floor where this man was and I had to wear a mask and I had to wear a white coat. And I went in with this man and there was a young Chinese doctor and he looked a bit bemused while I was gone in there. But in my pocket, I had a file of anointing oil and it had Don Stewart's ministry written on it. I had given this and I had it in my pocket and I'd never used it. So I said to this gentleman's uh, wife, I said, come and stand here with me. And she was heavily pregnant, about eight months pregnant. And she was crying and she thought the husband was going to die. And he was naked from the waist up and his eyes were shut. And every time uh, the breathing apparatus went, his chest heaved up and down. And I broke the plastic file of this oil and I poured the oil on his chest. And I started making the sign of the cross. And I said, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And as I said, the Holy Spirit, his eyes opened up and he started looking round the room. And I gave him the rest of the oil and I said, take the oil, you anoint him with it. He don't know me from Adam, but he knows you. You're his wife and he loves you. And I went home. Anyway, two weeks later, he was taken out of critical care and he was in a side ward. And I think two weeks later, he left and went home. Now, why? Is it because I'm a highly anointed man or a holy man? Not at all. I considered myself the worst man that ever walked the earth. But I had faith in Jesus Christ. I knew that the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, had gone to the cross and died for me. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by stripes we are healed. So I wasn't frightened of the devil. I've been... I went to a graveyard at 12 o'clock one night where people had been holding black masses. There was 1,200 people buried in this graveyard and houses had been built all around it. And this graveyard were all people buried from a, a mental asylum that was there in Victorian times. And there was a load of missionaries who went there who was going to pray up and they ran away in fear. And I said, I'll go. People could say, maybe you're arrogant, Michael. Maybe I am. But if I am arrogant, I'm arrogant in the Lord. I'm bold in the Lord. And I went there 12 o'clock and I prayed all around this 
graveyard. There was remnants of fire there. There was witchcraft things placed around this graveyard, and I prayed there. And then I went back to bed. I have to tell you, I was scared. I couldn't get to bed during the night. So I kept making tea. You know, in hotels, I was staying in a hotel. There's complimentary tea and coffee. And I kept myself awake with the tea and coffee. In the morning, I got up early. And I went to this graveyard. And it was a beautiful sunny day. And as I sat down on the ground in this graveyard in the corner, a dove flew over me and circled above me. And I knew the power of the Holy Spirit was there. So the armour of God is essential for us all to wear. If we're going to fight the devil, when well, we need to fight the devil, and we do not have to be afraid of the devil, for Jesus Christ has already, remember, when Jesus died and he was laid in the tomb, he descended into hell. He preached into hell. He snatched the keys of death and hell away from Satan. He no longer Satan has control over your lives. Your lives are in the hands of Jesus Christ. And when we accept him, we are okay. Let's continue with this. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. I ask you, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit now. Start reading. Start reading the book of Acts. And it will tell you, when those 400 people were in the upper room and the spirit of the Lord God came upon them that was promised by Jesus before he went to be with the Father. And each was heard declaring the wonders of God in other tongues. And it goes on to say that nations that were there, read it, read it, and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask it. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to fear him at all. So pray in supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Remember, we're one huge family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're the lady that puts the flowers out in the church or you're the bishop or the pastor. We're all in this battle together. So we pray for one another. When we hear terrible things going on in Ukraine or Russia or wherever we live, anywhere that scares us, because, you know, when we hear bad news, we think the end is coming. We think, are we going to be blown up in our homes? We need to be confident and we need to pray for all the good people. You see, Satan would love to create a nuclear war because he is misguided, he is a liar, and he wants us to deceive us. He thinks that if he creates a nuclear war and the world gets blown to pieces, that Jesus won't return. He's a liar because Jesus is coming back anyway. He's coming in glory. The rapture will happen, and seven years after the rapture, Jesus will come back. So Satan has got very little time left. So please don't be afraid, brothers and sisters. I was once very afraid when I was a 10-year-old boy laying in my bedroom. I'm not afraid any longer. I fight demons virtually every day. People ring me up and people manifest over the phone. I used to work for a, a British Christian TV station. And we used to have people ring up and 
and they used to ask for prayer and they used to manifest as well. Don't be frightened if you see people manifest. A manifestation is when you've stirred the demons up and the devil's within them. They wish to confront you, but you will always win. In heavenly armor, as the song says, we will enter the land for the battle belongs to the Lord. So do not be frightened at all. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, do not be scared at all, for the Lord is with you. And wear that gospel armor, wear it with pride, wear it with confidence and wear it with hope, for you will truly overcome the devil. He has no power over you. Let me pray for you all now. Let's pray for all your problems. Satan, you are a liar. And the Son of God has come to destroy the works of the devil. And we stand against you now, Satan. And we say now, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, you will take your filthy hands off of God's people. We rebuke you, Satan, because when you disputed the body of Moses, the angel Michael came. And he said, the Lord rebuke you. And I say to you now, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. As we rebuke every demon, every evil spirit, every unclean spirit, every familiar spirit, every spiritual strongman, every warlock, every wizard, every witch, every necromancer, every wizard, every sorcerer, every diviner. Every soothsayer, every clairvoyant, every astrologer, every medium. We come against those who practice witchcraft. We come against every spirit of witchcraft, Satanism, Juju, Voodoo, Yinka, Shango, and Banda, every spirit of Obia. We stand against it all now, and we stand against you, devil. And we stand against every false religion in the world that has relegated Jesus from being the Son of God, from being God. And you have made him a mere rabbi or a mere man. You are a liar, Satan, and your deceptions are subtle. We stand against everyone who goes to the high altars of witchcraft, making a sacrifice, sacrifices of animal blood, babies, children, men and women. We stand against you now. We stand against every spell, curse and covenant. We stand against New Age religion and every New Age shop, every witchcraft shop. We come against every place where Ouija boards and tarot cards are sold and we stand against you now, Satan. We stand against every prayer and incantation that you make against God's people. I warn you now, Satan, and I tell you straight, Jesus is coming soon in his glory. And you are in trouble. And we pray now, even people practicing witchcraft out there who may be listening to this program, because we know people in the occult listen to Christian programs trying to make a disturbance. We say now, listen to what I'm saying. Play this back. And I say to you now, you can turn to Jesus. You can turn away from your evil. Satan has deceived you. He's lying to you. Turn away now in the name of Jesus. 
and turn to Jesus Christ his Lord, confess his sins, and the demons that control you will leave you immediately, for Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's turn to Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The anointing breaks the yoke. And when the anointing falls upon you, Satan can't harm you, for the anointing will protect you. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I spoke to a lady just outside London the other day, and she wanted to commit suicide. She said she couldn't go on any longer. And I said to her, no, you mustn't do this. And she said, is suicide a sin? I said, I'm afraid it is. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You have no right to take your own life. I said, what's more, I will pray from you now, and I will pray for you now. And I will invite Jesus into your life. And you'll find this heaviness will leave you now. It will go and you will not be hurting any longer. Many of us are carrying problems. I used to be very depressed. When I was 16, about 17, I met a beautiful young lady and I thought she was the finest thing that have ever happened in my life. And for a year, I felt very happy. And I longed for the time that I would go around and see her. But things went wrong in the relationship. Her parents thought I was useless and had no future. I was an apprentice plumber at the time. And I was earning, in American equivalent, about $12 a week. That's all I was earning. And I was an apprentice plumber. And she had aspirations of buying a house and all this sort of thing. And her parents put pressure on her and in the end she left me and she said she didn't want to be with me any longer and I was so depressed I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning I was so hurt if you're feeling like that now turn to Jesus call on the name of Jesus he will deliver you I promise you in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord now I'm going to stop for a little bit and I'm going to ask Ray uh, Shannon, would he like to ask me any questions or speak to me at all about anything I've said? Praise the Lord. Praise I the Lord. You, I am so excited I to be so here today with Evangelist with Pastor Evangelist Michael Cummins. Cummins. He's coming Amen. in from London, England. And uh, what a powerful testimony in teaching tonight, Brother Michael. Let me say to you, I have not, I'm not, I have not been so excited as I am tonight in a very Amen. long time because to find people with your experience uh, in the deliverance ministry are rare indeed. I only had to listen to you for a few minutes to know that you know what you're talking about. You're a seasoned veteran of the deliverance ministry. You're a full gospel minister and uh, shouts out to Sister Maria because if she had not 
uh, given me your contact info, we would not have this pleasure to have you on tonight. What a blessing it is, my Amen. friend, to hear you preach um, and share some amazing testimonies. Um, and it is a small world. Uh, yes, uh, Brother Michael uh, knew the late John Lyndon Cook, who we did a program over 10 years ago called Brother John's Gospel every every week. And um, uh, Brother, in the before you, you continue, in the UK, here's my question to you. Uh, yes. Do you see many churches involved in the deliverance ministry? There's not a lot of them in America. What about the UK? No, not at all. I mean, when you look at the old days and you see A.A. Allen and Jack Coe and Oral Roberts and these people, uh, when they used to have their big tent ministries, they always used to include deliverance as part of their service. Now, sadly, in England, a lot of things are based on the prosperity doctrine. And everything seems to be always looking at the offering and always being teaching about the offering. I mean, I know when people come into me, one thing God has taught me to, he's taught me to know when someone's telling me lies. And I always say to people, if you want to be delivered, tell the truth to God because he knows what you've done. Don't hide it. Whatever you've done, I've done far worse than God forgave me, so he'll forgive you. And the deliverance ministry in England, uh, I think, is is dying. There tends to be deliverance, which is done online. They People tend to look at African ministries and ministries in certain parts of the world, and they get their inspiration for that. And uh, in England, I think, Christianity is in a bad way in England. I think it's in a bad way. You know, in churches now, there are people living with their partners outside marriage, having children outside marriage, and the pastors seem to let it go for the sake of the amount of people coming to their churches. Uh, I only have a small ministry. We have about 30 people come on an average on a Sunday, but I always speak the truth because the truth will set you free. Absolutely. Tell us about your ministry. If someone is in the area and they would like to come out and fellowship with you, um, when do you hold services and how do they reach you in your ministry? Well, we we hold services on uh, Sunday from 11 o'clock till 1 o'clock. And then I make myself available in the church till 5 o'clock uh, for anyone who wishes personal prayer or wishes deliverance. We also have Bible study on Thursday from 12 noon to 2 in the afternoon and we have prayer intercession at 7 o'clock on Friday night and I'm always willing to pray for someone I mean I can give you my uh, personal telephone number if anyone wants to bring me I've also got a website uh, which people can uh, go on there but you can always get me I'm always willing to pray I hate the thought of anyone being bound by demons I hate it I've met sadly many many people in recent years who need deliverance I've even met people who have committed the unpardonable sin and I've prayed for people who have committed the unpardonable sin and nothing happens 
so the unpardonable sin is real people who have spoken against Jesus spoken against God spoken against the Holy Spirit and have blasphemed them I have to tell you brothers and sisters especially if you belong to another faith if you're a Hindu or Muslim a Sikh or a Buddhist the word of God is the word which of truth the word of healing the word of deliverance the word of sanctification and I will always help anyone who wishes to be helped hallelujah praise the Lord this is exciting do you have a website brother Michael as well I do I do I'm just trying to remember what it's called uh, Christ sets you free oh this is fantastic okay um, Christ sets you free again if you're just joining us we've got Pastor Michael Cummins here um, this is exciting my friend back over to you well you know forgive me if I've given you the wrong website I don't look at it all that often because I've got a lady in Scotland who looks after it for me Christ set you free I believe it is but I will check it later on today and I'll make sure when I next come on I give you the full details of it so please forgive me but I'll give this number openly to you 07469 that's my mobile number I will always be willing to speak to you. I would tell you, I do go to bed very early because I get up five o'clock every morning. So I go to bed about eight o'clock every night. So if you could possibly ring before eight o'clock, I'm happy to speak to you. And I'm going to pray for you all again out there. All of you who are suffering from depression. The word of God says he has given us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you've got depression, put on Christian radio. Listen to those old Pentecostal songs. Listen to them. They will lift you out of the gloom that you're in. They will make you feel better. Praise the Lord. When I read the Bible, take a tip from me. I don't read it in my head. I always speak it out aloud. It's something I've always done since I was a child. I want every demon and evil spirit to hear what I'm saying. So speak the word. And I say now that your depression will leave you. Worship the Lord. If any of you are backslidden and you haven't been to the church for a while, now's the time to go. The Lord is waiting for you in the church. Wherever you live, any part of the world, go in and worship God. Take communion for the body and the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Take it now. The blood of the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world have mercy on us all. Take it now, and your life can be changed. You don't have to live in misery. If any of you are sick now, I command in the name of Jesus Christ as I read the verse from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits who forgiveth thine iniquities, who healeth thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Whether you've got cancer, whether you've got heart disease, whether you've got breathing difficulties, whether you've got eczema, asthma, whatever your disease now, I command that sickness to leave now in the name of Jesus Christ. We rebuke it in the name of the Lord. And I pray that you shall be healed now. 
If anyone's in debt, we come against debt, poverty, insufficiency and lack. Yes, Satan will attack your finances as well, because by attacking your finances, he can make you so low. He can make you feel suicidal. We say now, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that the Lord will open the windows from heaven and rain down such blessing into your life that you will not have room enough to receive it. Receive it now. Trust in the Lord for all your needs. Because the word of God says the Lord will meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, there is unlimited riches. There is unlimited glory. So call on his name today. We're coming to the end of the show now. So I thank you that you have listened to me. And I praise the name of Jesus. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. And I will have some more scriptures on deliverance to read to you. Perhaps we'll read about the man in the hill country of the Gadarenes that had the legion of demons. And we'll glean the wonders, the power and the glory from that scripture. I love you all very much. I must thank my friend, though I've never met him personal, Shannon, for asking me on the program. You know, I can't believe I was a very poor boy living in a very poor part of London. And now I feel like a king because I can speak the gospel. God bless you all in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. We'll speak Praise next week. Amen. Brother Michael, this is a divine appointment. You don't know how excited I am. Uh, this is what I've been looking for. Uh, many of the people that we've had in the past who are involved in deliverance have went on home to be with Jesus and it has been rare indeed to find someone with your experience and uh, love the teaching tonight uh, would next week this same time work for you again to do another broadcast it would be wonderful 11 oh, o'clock will be fine let's so do it 11. okay one more question for you brother Michael if someone would yes. like to support your ministry do you have any way for people to do that like PayPal or anything like that uh, no, not really. I, I mean, not really. I don't really have a way to do it. Because I'm a pastor in the church and I receive a salary, I tend not to ask for offering. And if anyone does give me an offering, I, I give it to the church anyway. Okay. And uh, if someone if would like... If anyone would like to, if anyone would like to, they can always get in touch with me on the telephone number that I left you. Yes. And we can, we can do something. Perfect. Brother Michael, uh, God richly bless you. And we're looking forward to next week. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Amen. God bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir.